Hi, this is Oscar Rios, and welcome to Lidge Legends of Tabletop. I, I, I'm i hoping they'll let me leave so, soon. They just keep bringing me out of the basement every few weeks to be on the show. Well, with that being said, it's, I think it's been a little while since you've actually been on. It has. Unfortunately, it has. Uh, it's, been a little, it's been a while since I've been anywhere. Uh, um, I've pretty much been chained to the desk in the den, writing, editing, proofreading, correcting, um, eating way too much, uh, and not sleeping enough. But uh, stuff's getting done. And that's or- not even for, your, for this current Kickstarter that we're talking about. This is <laughs> for other stuff. This is for this is for other stuff. This is uh, yeah. We it's kind of at, at the Goblin Lair. The air traffic controllers are really busy. We've got like four planes trying to land, and everybody's circling, waiting for their spot. And uh, so yeah, it's a busy time at the Goblin Lair. But uh, you know, we're 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 it's it's all coming together. No one's nothing's crashed. You know, That's there's good. some there's some delays at the gate, but nothing is crashed. <laughs> That's always a plus. Yes. All right. So we, we have you on tonight. We're talking about uh, the the Catthulhu Kickstarter that's going yes. on right now. The Tales yeah. of Valor and Terror. Tales uh, of Valor and Terror. What 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 was it about Catthulhu that made you want to you know sort of jump into that universe? Okay, there's a funny story about this. Um, this all started as a bad joke that was taken to the next level. Uh, several years ago. We were working on uh, Dehara Cosmico, our Cthulhu Invictus supplement. And I'm probably drunk at Necronomicon 2013 with Jeff Muller. And I said, you know, we should, we should just do Cthulhu. And that theme of that book was we're going to do classic Lovecraftian stories set in the Roman Empire. So then we started, we're, you know, we're going to joking around. We're going to do every kind of Cthulhu set in the Roman Empire. And we're going to do even a cat, a Cthulhu set in the Roman Empire. And we're going to call it Cthulhu Invictus. Um, <laughs> but, but we're not allowed to use the term Cthulhu Invictus for license reasons. So that's the only time you're ever going to hear me say it. <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to say it more, but I'm not allowed to. Um, so Jeff being absolutely brilliant um and 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 kind of out of his mind most of the time because he's 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 that level of genius literally about two weeks later he hands me a twenty thousand word catthulhu adventure set in the roman empire nice and i'm like you have got to be kidding me he goes well we can have it as a stretch goal for dehora cosmico and of course, we didn't make too many stretch goals, and it sat on my computer. But it's like you've got a a twenty thousand word scenario by an any award winning author that's brilliant, and it's cats in ancient Rome fighting the Cthulhu mythos. And I'm like, how awesome is is this? So we definitely have to do something with it. And of course, passing the baton to the next level of crazy, like well, we could do three set in three scenarios. 
set in in different historical periods and like well who who what authors do we know who love cats and of course we know Stuart Boone who has a big orange cat that looks just like him <laughs> um it's scary how much they look alike um, but he's a cat guy and he's we've worked with him before he worked on Dehar Cosmico with us and he's like we're like well you know I'll, I'm you know I'm busy I'm working on this and that and you know I'm doing my masters and well it's cats in ancient periods and would you like to do ancient Egypt he's like oh shit yeah I'd love to do cats in ancient Egypt what kind of question is that so he did one uh, called Shadow Harvest and then we had two and I had my great idea to do Cats in Dark Ages, France, because once upon a time, that's where I lived. Um, before I really fell in love with Invictus, I lived in Cthulhu Dark Ages. Like that was my jam for literally three years. We had a huge home campaign. I did live action medieval reenactment. I mean, I was all in for the Dark Ages period. So I said, well, I'm going to do cats in Dark Ages, France, during a witch hysteria when they're like burning the cats like witches, because that would be cool. Um, and then I didn't write it for like <laughs> the long for the, for the longest time. It's just been like five words in a file. It's like we've got two great scenarios and mine, which is just like idea. Um, and, you know. Time keeps going. Project keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And we launched the Kickstarter and I'm like, yeah, I better really finish writing that now. Uh, so I'm, I'm as the Kickstarter is going, I'm frantically finishing, uh, finishing my part of the trilogy. Um, and that's kind of where it came from. Um, we had played with the idea to do a two book series. Cause I, I'm an old D and D guy. I love, the D and D supplement. And then like the next week there's a book of short stories or a, a, a Harper's novel or a Dragonlance novel that ties into the setting. So right. I love the, the fiction role-playing going hand in hand and I'm old school and I think that could still be cool. So I love to have a fiction companion to our RPG releases. And I'm thinking almost like 90% of the authors I know are cat people. If they're not posting pictures about their latest project, they're posting pictures of their cats. Mm -hmm. So we put out the call, who wants to write a cosmic horror cat-themed story? And boy, did that inbox fill up pretty quickly. Um, so we were able to make this wonderful, wonderful book fiction of uh, cat-themed stories. And we were like, well, this is too good to be a stretch goal. You know, we don't want it to be a stretch goal and then we not uh, unlock it. So like, well, you know, we're going to do a two book set. We're going to do the fiction and the RPG and we're going to do backer levels that you can just get one you can get the other. You can get both. You can get, you know, one, both digital, one print, you know, so we gave a lot of people a lot of options. So if you're the fiction fan, you can back the Kickstarter. If you're an RPG fan, you can back the Kickstarter. If you're both, you can back the Kickstarter. Um, and, you know, and then we were off and we launched about a week ago and we're hovering around 75% funded. 
Yep. Awesome. I, I thought at one point when we'd had you on previously, because you've done the, the fiction and RPG stuff, you know, through so many Kickstarters. And I thought you said that you were going to separate that in the future. Was that like an internal, like at the Goblin Lair thing where we had, you know, two we, separate line editors? Or? We separated it into line editors. We've okay. got uh, Brian Sammons in charge of our fiction line. Lisa Paddle is still in charge of our um, RPG line. But now Lisa Paddle has one or two associate editors working with us. And Brian is still kind of on his own with fiction, but Brian's really good at it. And uh, for the timetable we do, it's like it's like a uh, underhand softball pitch for Brian to keep up with us. So, um, you know, we're we're still putting them out as companions. We like to put them out as companions if we can. Um, but the production lines are separate, so they can be worked on um, at the same time. Okay, cool, cool. Which means um, that the fiction books are always done months before the RPG ones. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, now for the fiction, did you? So normally, you you submit along with everybody else, and yes. you know, if you if you get picked, you get picked. The same thing for for this fiction line as well, because obviously for the for the RPG side, you were like, okay, no, I have a scenario. You know, this right. is, this is going to be right. the three of us. Right. Um, no, I had to pitch along with everyone else. And I was really nervous because I really liked my story. You know, what author doesn't like their story? It's yeah. like, I'm gonna sub I hate this, but I'm going to submit it anyway. <laughs> no. Uh, so I really loved it. Uh, a lot of it is based on uh, a cat I actually own. Um, a lot of the cat's backstory. Um, it's called uh, The Quest of Pumpkin the Brave. And I'm like, I'm writing it and I'm like, God, I hope I get in. And Brian and I and Brian's still understanding orders. If I'm ever reviewed as the worst in the book, he's fired. So he has to save <laughs> he has to save me from myself. So he's encouraged to reject me. If I'm if I deserve to be rejected, he's supposed to reject me. Um, and he, you know, uh, so far we're we're fine. Um, and he said, you know, I, my wife's a big cat fan, and I read her a lot of the stuff that she, you know, so she kind of she's the the then you know she doesn't know anybody's name she doesn't know you know she's just a fan and if she likes it then it's you know you got a really good chance he said well my wife started crying by the end of page one oh, so you're in <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's a very you know it's it's ba pumpkin starts out as a street cat who's rescued as a kitten from a bad situation so the start of the the start of the story is his internal monologue looking back on his childhood and like how I got to this point. So he's like my earliest memory was of cold, you know, cold hung being cold, hungry and sick. Um and you know, we were born in the wild. Yada. yada. So everyone I I show the story to, they're like you, you they're you know, they're very upset by the end of page 1 and angry at me because right. it, it starts it starts off pretty sad. But um, but yeah. So I've got a, a cat, uh, a, a you know, a cat hero in this on uh, a. But throughout the whole collection, you have a wide variety of of cat themes. Some of the cats are bad. A lot of cats are good. Some of the cats are ghosts. Some of the cats are demons. Some of the people are cats. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, some of the cats are actually dragons and some of the cats are gateway metaphors to cosmic entropy. Now that's a really 
trippy story. I'm not going to give it away, but so you'll read through and it's not just, oh, a cat hero, a cat hero, a cat hero. It's all sorts of really interesting, trippy stories uh, with cats in them. Cool. And in a, in a, in a who's who, you know, Brian Sammons and you and Pete Rollick and uh, William uh, Meikle. I mean, you, you know, you've got so many people in here. Oh, they're all great. Over. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're all great there. It's, it's been amazing. We, we wanted, we were like, let's just do like nine stories. And then it was like, no, we've got to do 12. And then it's like <laughs> 16 with stretch goals. They're all that good. We do, right. And we're, you know, we're campaigning hard. We're hoping to get a lot of stretch goal, you know, no stories left behind. You know, we want them all in the book uh, and they're, they're great. You know, we're really happy with the way that turned out. Now, for for writing for fiction as well as for the RPG, maybe maybe for the more of the RPG side, is, is there a change in the writing when you're like approaching as you know? I have a, a cat protagonist from from your typical like RPG scenario. I'm guessing my fiction probably reads a lot like my scenarios. If you had like you know really in really cool players, um, but the way I write them are completely different because um, when I'm writing the scenario, I'm not writing an ending. I'm writing possibilities because I want to leave the flow of the narrative to my players. Um, and, and, you know, you want to try and have everything as sandboxy as you can. So you don't want to funnel people into your narrative. Um, you can't do that in fiction. You are the narrative. You are, you know, you have to tell the story from, you know, start to finish you have to make every choice of every character so it's a very different sort of writing but i would say it's it's pretty connected you know okay. it's, it's the same same part of my brain just uh you know you squint your eyes and tilt your head and okay we're writing fiction now right but I, i'm much better at scenarios i mean i i there's you know my my career will point that out you know i'm i'm I, I'm barely treading water among the fiction people I'm with. Um, but, you know, with scenarios, I'll, I'll, I'll take on anybody in the industry. I might get my ass kicked, but I'm willing to, willing to go toe-to-toe. You know, I, I feel my scenario foo is quite strong, and my fiction foo is, God, please let me get one past the editor. I just want to be in the book. You know, Oliver Twist with his bowl. You know, more yeah. please. <laughs> But 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 so for writing, um, at, you know, with a cat protagonist, does that change like your your mindset to approach a, a, a scenario? You know, a PC is a PC, I guess. Oh, for for okay. So how is writing a cat Thulu scenario different than writing a regular scenario? Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. Well, the cats aren't going to shoot anyone with a shotgun. That's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, they. They, they may set something on fire. So, I mean, they still are incident. They still are investigators. Um, Jeff was actually talking about this online the other day. A, a, a cat Thulu scenario, your cats, it's, it's more thinking. You're a cat. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of hit points. You don't have status. You're not going to talk your way past the guard. Um, you know, but cats have skills and abilities all their own. They're stealthy. They see in the dark well. Um, you know, they can get in and out of places. Nobody really seems to notice them. People will talk around them. And if the cats have the skills that they can, they know what humans are saying. Um, you know, 
they'll be there when the villain is monologuing to the mirror. Um, so it's more of you come at this like, how would cats solve this problem? Like, what are the ways a cat could solve this problem? And why is it that the human investigators, if there are any human investigators in this area, why can't they? Like, why is this falling to the cats? And I think that all three of the scenarios have done a really good job of creating a situation that it's the cats or nobody. That the cats are like, this is what's going on and it's us or nobody. Um, Jeff's scenario is there's, you know, Rome is going mad with some kind of a cosmic horror thing and people are vanishing. Um, and the, and some cats are vanishing too. So the cats are as much at risk as anyone else, but because they're cats in ancient Rome, they're allowed to go into any temple and not be stopped. Hmm. There's a law in Rome that you can't bar a cat from a temple. There's a lot of really kooky laws in ancient Rome. Um, in, so the cats have that ability that a normal investigator wouldn't. In the uh, Egyptian one, well, it's, it's, a, it's a murder in the Temple of Bast. And the cats are the temple cats of the Temple of Bast. And a, uh, a, high, a, a very high-level priest goes missing, and a kitten is found dead in the temple, like dead through violence. So it starts as a, a murder mystery. And then as you uncover the layers of that rotten onion, you get to the dark core. Mine is the, it, it starts almost like survival horror. My cats are in uh, dark ages, Paris during a, a plague epidemic that's being blamed on witches. So they're rounding up all of the, you know, the homeless, the poor, the crazy, the, the prostitutes, um, the undesirables. And of course, the cat, the church lumps cats in with all of them as servants of Satan. So there's a general purge going on, and the PCs are all cats from various tribes of Paris, because cats kind of they they're territorial. So there'll be one group of cats that rules this area, and another rules that area, um, and they are all kind of forced to work together to survive. And in my scenario, they're actually, they have two choices. You can es escape Paris or defeat the cause of the plague and save Paris. And I think that'll be fun to see which teams are like, let them die. You know, they, they've been, they've, you know, we're, we're going to worry about ourselves. You know, let the, let the humans sort themselves out. We're not, why would we save Paris? They were just chasing us with torches and pitchforks. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it'll be great once they finish writing it <laughs> and I'm running it in about a week and a half. So God help me. I'm sure they get there. Little legends coffee. You'll be good. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of coffee. It always works out. I have no idea how, but it always works out. Fair, fair. Now, now these are the first Cthulhu scenarios, uh, four seventh edition, right? Yes. Um, as we're writing, a lot of us are getting into seventh edition more and more. So we're incorporating a lot of those rules. But the original Cthulhu was written for 6th edition. Um, so we're writing a 7th edition, and we were like, well, do we, do we make some rules for ourselves? Do we do a conversion? And then we talked to um, Adam over at 60 Stone. It turns out they're already working on their 7th edition rules for Cthulhu. And, um, 
So he said, I can send those files over. You can put these out for seventh edition. We're going to have a book out later this year. Um, the formal rules will be part of that book. So they'll tie in well together. And um, they're so excited about how well this is going. They're even offering all of our backers a 25% discount coupon. So people who don't have the core book for Cthulhu, as soon as our Kickstarter ends, if you're a backer, you get that discount code. While you're waiting for our book to come out, you can learn the rules, play the scenario, the one or two scenarios that come with that book. By the time you're done and your group is ready, our book will be out. Cool. That, was, that's the plan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> was there any talk about, um, you know, having a certain pledge level where you could get uh, the, the, the core Cthulhu book or is that, you know, too, too many, con too many hands in the pot as it were. Um, every time you add an outside vendor that you're, that is not in house, it's one more gear that can clog in a machine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And trust me, there's enough gears in house that can clog a machine. And, and it's already out. It's available. You can go to drive through RPG, uh, right now. You can download it right now. Right. Um, so yeah, we we weren't going to do. And again, they don't have physical books. It's print on demand. So right. what are they going to do? Send us a whole bunch of print on demand coupons, which is <laughs> which is what they're doing. They're giving us all of our backers are getting a twenty five percent discount to download the game. So that I think is the best partnership we could have with Sixty Stone, and we're really grateful for their cooperation and support in this project. Cool, cool. Now, are are you guys like an official license through Sixty Stone, or is that all still come through Chaosium? We're all we're all through Daddy. We're all through Daddy Chaosium. Okay, um, yeah. Chaosium's their boss, like they are. We're both licensees of Chaosium, so we all went to. It's like two kids sitting down at the table with Dad, and he's like, "Okay, you're gonna borrow the car, and you're gonna clean the gutters," and we're like, "Okay." Um, so they kind of helped us, kind of sort out what we were going to do and who was going to do what. And they told me I couldn't use that term that I really wanted to use for cats in ancient Rome. And I said, okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, silly things like that, but no chaosium really was, uh, love the idea of cross support from the two companies and, um, helped us kind of all sit down together and work out the logistics. And, uh, you know, it's been great. It's been a pretty seamless partnership so far. Cool. Very good. Um, shit. And you're looking to uh, have everything available next February? It's a three scenario book. Two of them are done. The fiction book, all 16 of those stories are written and edited. We've got the cover art for both in um, by uh, uh, David Lee Ingersoll. Great, uh, amazing work so far. Um, I can't wait. Uh, to see what his interior illustrations, illustrations are going to be. Um, so, yeah, I think that because we have different, uh, different production lines going at the same time, this could be something we turn around very quickly. Okay, cool, cool. Um, there's, there's a few things that I have to wait until we close to write, uh, which will be, which I'll love to talk about in a minute. <laughs> well, go go ahead and why don't you talk yeah. about that. <laughs> one of our one of and this I'm gonna this is completely my wife's idea. Okay. She's like she said, cat people love their cats. If if you give the backers a chance to get their cat in the book, they're gonna back this like crazy. So I'm like, okay. Um, 
So we're going to say that for a certain level, you send in your picture, your picture gets to be the character portrait from one of the NPCs, from one of the, the free gens. Um, and so far, those are selling out great. They may have sold out already. Um, the only one that hasn't sold out is the one set in Egypt because we said it has to be an Egyptian Mao or an Abyssinian because right. they're ancient Egyptian cats. I mean, you can't have your domestic short hair or your, you know, <laughs> um, your your main coon in ancient Egypt. Um, it, it would be cool, but, you know, we're not going there. Um, and then we thought, well, let's make nine cats that are the council. These are the nine wisest, bravest cats that defend an area. And the coolest, creepiest place to me is Kingsport. Yes, Arkham is more important. It's got the big library. You know, it's got the university, all of that. I'm not taking anything away from Arkham. But they've got bed and breakfasts and coffee houses in Kingsport. <laughs> so... Um, you know, you've got the, it's a city in the mist, the seaport town. I'm a big Kingsport fan. I've written a lot of scenarios set in Kingsport. So we decided to do the nine cats of the council of Kingsport. And if you backed at a very high level, you could send in a picture of your cat and I'm going to give you a questionnaire. You can name the cat and send the picture, fill out the questionnaire. And I'm going to create, uh, an NPC cat. That's that member of the council. Um, and all nine of the, all, all nine of those sold out in the first 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Literally, I was starting to write the end of day one and the last one, the last backer upgraded and they were all gone. And then literally like 10 minutes later, somebody said, oh my God, I just got home from work and they're all sold out. Um, if anybody drops out, let me know. So that was like, well, that was a good idea, but now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I had the idea of now what we now what we're going to do. So I'm going to announce that spoiler now. Ooh. When we fund, there will be seven new back upper backer levels opened up, and we are going to do the seven cat council of the Great Library of Alexandria. It will be uh, seven cats set in the universe of Cthulhu Invictus. And these are the seven cats that are the guardians of the great library of Alexandria, Very which cool. is, which is, you know, in, in, in Egypt in North African territory and ancient Rome. So we're doing, we're, if, if, and when we get to that point, there will be seven more of those backer levels and it'll be a, an entire second council, uh, in a different historical period. Very cool. So that's going to be one of the hopeful stretch goals we had. Um, and Jeff and I have ideas for two more scenarios. So if this campaign really has legs, that 12 book fiction collection is going to be a 16 book fiction collection. And this three scenario book is going to be five scenarios with two different council chapters of at cat NPCs for your campaigns. So pledge early, pledge often. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That that's really cool. Yeah, when I was going through it. I was like, oh, that's pretty neat because I've seen that like you know board games and things are like, oh, you know, if you donate at such and such a level, we'll get your your face on a card or we'll you know we'll get you in the book or whatever. Like you have your cat. That's that's pretty neat. Like if it's not you, the cat. Like because I'm a cat. He just jumped up on my lap while you were talking. So right, right. I mean, yeah, it's it's that's really cool. They they get into everything and they're getting into this book. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
We've got pictures, preliminary pictures of the first cat council of Kingsport on our Facebook page. Um, so if you want to, people want an early preview of the cat council of Kingsport, go right there. Three black cats out of nine. There are three black cats on the council. I'm really excited about that. Um, and a great story. Uh, someone I know backed and they were the first council member. So they were the first ones who backed. And I'm like, are you sure you can you can do this? And he said, no, no, my wife insisted we do this. I said, you know, we can do one of the the playing character ones, you know, get our get his picture on as a as a PC, as a pregen. And she said, no, I can't bear of thinking him being put in danger and possibly getting hurt. But if he's on the council, he'll be fine. And I was like, wow, we love our cats, don't we? <laughs> Um, she couldn't even think of him possibly being representing a, a, a PC that could be killed by a mythos horror. So the council was a much safer place for him to be, and she wanted him to be safe. And uh, that's just a great story for how much people love their cats. Mm -hmm. And and it's neat too because it's all the nine members are like on their last, they're on their ninth live, and you know they're like the oldest and wisest, and, and like the whole like the whole setup is just really cool. And I would tell you that is not my idea. Um, there was one of our fiction, uh, one of our fiction levels, and let me get the exact story. Uh, da, 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 da. So I can give credit while credit is due. Uh, uh, Brown Jenkins Reckoning by Ed Erlock. It details uh, the Council of Arkham, and they finally decided that we need to do something about Brown Jenkins. And it's these elder cats forming a war council for, you know, Brown Jenkins has returned and we need to stop him once and for all. So it's the cats of Kingsport um, trying to take down Brown Jenkins. And it's just an amazing, wonderful story. And it's stuck in my head. Um, so when we were coming up with ideas, I'm like, you know what? I wonder what the nine cats of, of Kingsport are like. So uh, that's where it came from. Cool. Very cool. Uh, and um, you were mentioning that you were going to be running uh, your Cthulhu scenario next week. So do you have a bunch of cons and stuff that are coming up? Um, because I'm so busy still, I've, I've really tried to limit like my, my cons. Um, so I go to Kineticon, which is, you know, an out like 90 minute drive, uh, you know, two hours at most away. Um, and they roll out the red carpet. I've got a lot of really great fans there. So that's like, uh, if I missed Kineticon, my daughter would kill me. Um, she's been going for the last few years. She's huge into cosplay and anime. And she goes and probably, you know, she runs around for four days and has a great time while I'm, you know, busting my hump, you know. <laughs> but it, it's a great thing. Uh, so, yeah, we can't miss Kineticon, no matter how busy we get. And in the fall, uh, right after Halloween, I love to go up to Vermont for Carnage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, running games on the, in a ski lodge before ski season opens in the mountains of Vermont, you know, hoping the Migo don't show up, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful con, great people, well-organized. It's still small enough that it feels like a real community. Um, and you know, the, a lot of the fans will know when a con gets to a certain point, it stops being a community and it starts being more of a big media thing. And there's nothing wrong with one or the other, but it's definitely two different rhythms. 
So I love that feel of that smaller, tight knit con to end out my year. It's like Halloween is over. I have a con and then it's Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it's kind of like my one part of the year where I can kind of, you know, catch my breath and get ready for the holidays and then start cranking out projects after new year's. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel that way with Necro too. Like it, it's, you know, like mid range ties, but still it's like, you know, you go in and you know, everybody and like, everybody's right. You know, like super into what's happening. It's not like a general, you know, game like Gen Con. It's an event. It's, it's less of a convention and more of a, the pageantry and the spectacle. And there's, you know, 80,000 people and, yeah, yeah Gen I mean, Con, Origins, any Comic Con, these are just huge, yeah. and they're 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 good for that. And if that's your thing, go. And but I'm old, you, know? <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I'm old and I get tired. So, um, you know, it those are don't get me wrong. Ten years ago, I loved those big, giant, huge things. Now it's like, oh boy, man. I don't know if my knees can take the dealer's room at Gen Con. Hmm. Now, do you have anybody uh, scheduled to run games for you at uh, PAX Unplugged coming up in November? Uh, haven't. No, not yet. Haven't thought that far ahead. Hmm. Okay. I, I don't think they posted. Last time I checked, they hadn't posted uh, schedules yeah, we, or guests or. We whatever. were just we were just getting our events in for um, for Carnage in the fall, and oh boy, uh, our fans are going to be in for a treat. Uh, uh, my my apprentice, uh, William Adcott, he's writing Cthulhu Invictus with me. Um, I'm kind of showing him the ropes. I'm 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 his Richard Watts, as Richard Watts was to me 15 years ago. Uh, Richard Watts was that a- author that had no reason to help me, but did. And I learned how to do this. Um, and then he introduced me to others who taught me. So I'm kind of pay- paying that forward. So William Adcott and I are doing a set of four connected scenarios, all Cthulhu Invictus, all in Britain. Nice. Um, and this is going to be a, a, a kind of unofficial play test for a mini campaign that's going to be the included scenarios for our uh, Cthulhu Invictus source book, uh, Britannia and Beyond, which is currently being written by Stuart Boone. And I mean, you can't get a better person to write Britannia and Beyond than Stuart Boone. Um and he's having a, a great time. He's really tearing it up. I, th- I think um, I think the uh, MU guys had him on uh, a couple of episodes ago talking about it. Right, right. He's really jazzed. And yeah. then when everything got pushed back for two months, he was even happier. Um, <laughs> when, when when our when our when our production schedule started to get a little wonky, I'm like, you know what? Take you know take two more months because we're not going to get to it. And he goes, Oh, God bless you. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we gave him a lot more breathing room. So now he can relax and really do the the book he wants to do. Cool. Um, just go back to cons again real quick. Are you going to be at Necro next year? I have every intention of going to Necro. It broke my heart that, you know, my annual completely complete burnout happened right before Necronomicon. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm literally still trying to recover because Invictus still isn't out. I mean, literally trying to finish writing Invictus is why I didn't go to Necronomicon. And it's almost a year later and it's still not out. It's because it just took so long to edit, so long to proofread. Um, 
but you know, it's, it's, that's the time it's taking to, to have it come out the way it deserves to come out. Um, you know, free of, of stupid typos and historical inaccuracies, you know, you only get one shot at this. We're relaunching a setting that is near and dear to my heart. You know, it is, it is literally my favorite in, you know, setting for Call of Cthulhu. Um, so, you know, I'm like, and it's like the Peter, it's, I'm like the Peter Jackson of Cthulhu Invictus. They gave, <laughs> they gave the biggest nerd as much money as he wanted and say, okay, do Lord of the Rings. And he's like, well, I'm going to do the best freaking Lord of the Rings I can do. Um, I'm nowhere near as skilled as Peter Jackson. I'm just passionate and lucky like he was. Um, so I've got to make this work. And it's taking me way longer to pull it together because, again, I'm not Peter Jackson. Um, Lisa Paddle is great. Uh, Mark's done some amazing work. We've got some really great proofreaders who pointed out everything that would have made us look stupid and we're fixing everything that would have made us look stupid, but it is a massive book. It's like 188 pages, two scenarios, um, you know, a chapter on the legions, a chapter on every Roman province, a chapter on the highlights of Rome, uh, investigator societies, cults, uh, patrons, you know, an entire revamped uh, monster section, uh, alternate rules for infection, poison, uh, combat, shield bashing, you know, 50, 52 professions. Um, lit it's just, you know, you, you, you think we're going to have this great book with everything we want in it. And then you got to write it. And you're like, fuck, you know, <laughs> what, what, did, what did we get ourselves into? Um, the only consolation is I didn't ask for this. You know, Cassium said, Hey, do you want to do it? And I was, I said, yes. It wasn't like, Hey, can I do this? And then I'm like, Oh, I'm kicking myself. No, it's like this fell into our laps and we're, we're making the best of it. Um, and the problem is to make it the best it can be to make the best of it. It's taken a lot longer than, than we planned. Now, has there been any, you know, negative blowback from people who are like, oh, I thought this was going to be out, you know, during X. Like, you know, what's the because you're 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 very, um, uh, you know, forthcoming and updates and stuff. You update consistently. It's not like there's anything that's unexpected. Be like, oh, shit, I never saw that coming. Oh, there are people upset with us and they have every right to be. And I, I will I will apologize for that. Um, Lisa was knee deep in editing the last stretch goal for our Caribbean book. Our, and it was the guide to the Caribbean. It needed a very deep edit. Um, it was, it needed a lot of massaging and um, <laughs> you've been replaced. Yeah. He just stole the chair. Bastard. <laughs> closed the blinds. It was in my eyes. <laughs> um, and it was taking her a lot of time and it was just, it was her kryptonite. I'd never seen her so knotted up with a project. It was just something about it that she was just having so much trouble with it. So I, I took a month off of writing Cthulhu Invictus and I tried to help get her unstuck. And she started to get unstuck. But by the time she started to really kind of almost wrap her head around it and get some traction, we were already falling way behind in editing Cthulhu Invictus. So I made the executive decision that, you know, that's a stretch goal. This is a main, this is the future of our company. This is the new line we're relaunching. 
I need you to put that on the shelf and I need you to come work on this. Um, and there were people waiting for that book and they were pissed and they have every right to be pissed. And luckily, hero of Golden Goblin Press, Jeff Muller was pissed too. And finally, Jeff Muller said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to knock it out. And I don't want, you know, and I don't want to hear from anyone. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do this and no one's going to bother me or question me, but I will do it and I will do it quickly and it'll get done. But just leave me alone about it. And we were like, thank you, Jesus, Jeff. Uh, of course, uh, we are eternally grateful. So Jeff Muller just took the project, you know, you know, the whole thing. And he burned through the edits in two weeks and it is now in layout. Um, and how he does it. I mean, the, the man doesn't have an, uh, you know, he doesn't want an any for no reason. Uh, he's really good at what he does. So we're happy to say that that project is unstuck and moving forward, but no, um, yeah, there, and there were people mad at us and they had every right to be. Um, there were people questioning, why are we launching another project when this one isn't completely done? And again, have every right to be, um, you know, we just did not think Invictus would be the mountain it's turning into, but we're at the top of that effing mountain. And I'm telling you the view from the top is amazing. <laughs> um, people are going to be very happy. I think, um, I hope, let me not say, you know, let me got, not get ahead of myself. Well, but, people, uh, people, I guess. <laughs> right. Right. Um, we got where we're teetering where we've got uh riot at red plank, which is the second stretch goal for cold warning. That's fully edited. Uh, the editor, um, uh, Tim, uh, Tim we're, 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 we're like five hours away from getting that ready for layout, but you know, he's a full-time New York school teacher. So he has been really busy until just a few weeks ago. And uh, so we're hoping once Invictus is done, I'm going to sit down with him. We're going to get that one rolling, get that, uh, get that plane on the ground. Um, so, yeah, there there have been a few people. But for the most part, a lot of our fans would be like, dude, just take the time you need. Once you launch, it's launched. It's out there. You don't get another shot at that. So yeah. I, we even had one backer post. If it takes you another month to get it right, take the month. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> that's really what we what i needed to hear in this moment of near panic you're right <laughs> see i guess i fall more into that camp like i i just pulled up the kickstarter page and and not to you know like put a, a hard date on it but it was supposed to be october in seven, 2017 which i didn't really you know i you, you hit the back button and then when something shows up at the door you're like oh cool like that's awesome and I and maybe it's a little bit different because our relationship's a little bit different. Like I'm not like random dude that's like, hey, I'm gonna back this cool Cthulhu thing. Oh my god, where is it? Uh, but you know, I feel like you know, yeah, make sure it's done right. Make sure everything's beautiful. Make sure everything's bound right. Everything. I, okay, where am I going? Like you know, I'll play it this year. Or I'll play it. like it doesn't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't get that that backer mentality of "fuck." It didn't come on October first. You're an asshole. Like you know, look at the oh. look at the history. Like you've consistently delivered. Uh, it, I don't know. I, I it's just weird for me to you know when I, I hear people are like, oh, you know, and I get it, right? Like I paid my money. I want my thing. But right, you said October seventh, twenty seventeen. Yeah. 
What's up? Why are you working on this project when this other one isn't out? I totally get that. I would be, you know, I'd be upset too. I mean, I have vivid memories of books that were three, three years late and like, you know, the early two thousands that just burned my ass. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's not logical. Um, and you know, as a fan, you don't really realize all of the moving parts in a small publishing house. You know, they're thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm waking up in the morning and I'm working at golden goblin press from nine to five. Mm-hmm. No, I, I go to my day job nine to five. And on my weekends, I'm doing this. If I have any mental energy left after work, I'm doing this. And every member of the company is like that. You know, we have other things, you know, life gets in the way. We're doing the best we can in between everything else. Right. Um, I wish we had an office. I mean, that would that would rock. You know, I, I, I wish we were able to do this full time and, you know, have Lisa work for me 40 hours on the clock with benefits. But, you know. We're Golden Album Press. We're we're making this up as we go. <laughs> and very, that's most very, very passionate, mildly trained semi-professionals. <laughs> and and that's most of the industry, right? I mean, that's most of the industry. You you know, you've got Paizo, you've got White Wolf. I mean, you have some some really big players of the mix, but then everybody else is like, yeah, you know, we we do this part time. Like this is not a full time gig. We are, we are kings of the side hustle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is, I guess. I, it's just I don't know. I, I mean, I guess doing what what we do with the podcast, getting a little bit more behind the scenes, that you know, it's more likely to let that stuff pass, I guess. Right, but, right. But that's for me, right? Like it, it's a different different thing. Um, are you are you currently getting a chance to play anything yourself? Are you running anything? Yeah, I'll be running Cthulhu next week. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually running two games at the con and uh, four panels. Um, I really dig uh, running panels. So um, I, I have I've run a few games. I ran a game for uh, it turned out one of the top backers to Cthulhu Invictus ended up living 45 minutes from my house. And I'm like, well, dude, I'll come over and run a game for you and your friends. <laughs> Um, and they rolled out the red carpet. I mean, it was like more food than you could possibly imagine. It was like a Bacchanalia Cthulhu Invictus game. It was awesome. And they had a cat. Um, and the coolest gamer den I'd ever seen. Nice. Um, literally. I mean, it was off the hook. Um, so, you know, here and there, I've run a couple of online things. Um, I've been running a, all pretty much any. The only thing I've been running is Cthulhu Invictus to st- shake out the seventh edition rules um you know like okay let's test the shield parry rules let's see how luck burning works uh let's see how the new uh devout and uh indifferent mechanic for luck burning works and you know things have worked really well we've tweaked things through some of the play tests but um no i wish i wish i could play more you know but it's just busy yeah 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 well, we almost found out how the uh, new infection rules work the last time we played. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody had screwed up a roll, we would have, yeah, there might've been an amputation down the road, you know, in two or three days. Yeah. That, that yeah. wouldn't have been good. <laughs> here, 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 here's a coming attraction for all you, you know, enthusiastic 
uh, Cthulhu Invictus players, bring bandages. Do not walk around with open wounds for an hour. If you get a deep sword cut when the battle's over, take a moment to wash out that wound and bandage it very quickly. Uh, you know, if you're tramping around in the sewers looking for cosmic horrors uh, and you've got, you know, a leg gash, um, it may not be that Shagat kills you. It may be the, the gangrene, you know, the <laughs> staph infection that kills you. Um, Roman history is, is filled with that, the story of that general who took one arrow in the arm and he was dead five days later of infection. Um, so, I mean, this is a period without antibiotics at all. They had good medicine. They could treat lots of things. Infection was not real high on their success rate. Mm -hmm. that, that was not something they had a handle on. Um, but they knew the infection would set in less if you washed out the wound and you bandaged it up quickly. So Roman doctors are that smart. My players, not so much. <laughs> uh, that that D&D &D mentality of just like being wounded seven times and walking into town with like cuts and yeah, yeah. You'll be you're, you're going to see a lot of one-legged investigators. <laughs> well, the uh, gamers table uh, one time a while back they did an interesting uh, a talk about you know hit points you know especially like fourth edition D and D your you know hit points are in such a yo-yo um, of 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 thinking it not so much as as actual health like actual hit points but more of like, you know, fatigue and, and, you know, tiredness. And you're like, you know, you get your second wins, you get that little bit of a bump, uh, you know, and it's, and it's that last, you know, hit that really like deals physical damage of, of, you know, a slash or a stab or whatever. Um, you probably apply, you know, similar, similar. I mean, if you're not wearing armor, right? Like if you're not playing the Centurion, I guess you're kind of screwed, but. <laughs> My perfect game is the players get through the entire scenario and never roll combat. Mm. That doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's amazing. And I like to write scenarios where that could actually be a possibility. Um, ninjas do really well in my game. <laughs> if, you, if, you can, if you can sneak, if you can talk, if you can listen, if you can spot, if you're smart enough to outthink the villain, you might get through this without ever taking a hit point of damage. Hmm. In the 15 or so years of running Call of Cthulhu, that's happened maybe three times. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's the equivalent of, of pitching the perfect game. Yeah, yeah. But it, it has and does happen. Well, it's certainly not our Invictus group, that's for sure. <laughs> no, hasn't happened lately. <laughs> Oh man! All right. uh, what, so, what new things do we have in the works? Obviously, we've got uh, you know Cthulhu on Kickstarter right now. Do you have what do you have moving forward? If you can talk okay, about, I, stuff? Can, I can I can talk a little bit about it. We have for our twenty nineteen our twenty my god twenty nineteen. We have our twenty nineteen Kickstarters planned out. Okay. <clears throat> the first I can talk about openly because we've mentioned it. Uh, we are going to be kickstarting our first. Uh, full dedicated setting book, which is Britannia and Beyond by Stuart Boone uh, a f with a four scenario mini campaign by uh, William Adcott and myself. Uh, I'm going to be rewriting two of my really old scenarios and greatly expanding them. 
Um, in some of my monographs, I had uh, a pair of scenarios set in Invictus called uh, The Long Dark and Immortal Harvest. So those are getting a complete revision, uh, a resurrection for 7th edition. Um, and he's got a couple scenarios. That scenario, that book will be all about the province of Britannia um, and a little bit of section about uh, Caledonia and Hibernia, which is Ireland and Scotland. So we're going to have, you know, Hadrian and Antonine's Wall. We're going to have the Picts in the north. We're going to have the Caledonians right across the sea. Um, and, you know, all of the, the origin of all of the classic British horror. Um, one of the main themes of the book is that for a long time in Britain, mankind had gotten a hold of the mythos. Like they'd beaten it back, they'd nailed it down, they'd locked it away. And this was done by the Druids. And unfortunately, the Druids vehemently opposed Roman occupation. So the Romans destroyed the Druidic order. So now, you know, the province of Britannia is filled with all of these prisons and wards and, uh, you know, rituals that are keeping things locked away aren't being done anymore. Um, sacrifices to appease ancient gods aren't being made anymore. Um, sacred groves were burned down. Sacred stones were toppled as part of the Roman effort to eradicate the Druids. So inside the province of Britannia, there's a general awakening of mythos horrors, a return um, to, to plague mankind. And that's the Roman Britannia our investigators are going to find. Um, they're going to be stepping in into a dangerous, mysterious island and realize it's so much worse than they possibly imagined because the mythos is on the rise and time is against them. So we're really looking forward to fully fleshing out Britannia. And again, Stuart Boone is, is the absolute perfect person for the job. Top of our list. We are thrilled that he said yes to, to do this project for us. Cool. And I don't have to write it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who I can, who actually knows how to do this well. <laughs> All right. Any, uh, any other teasers you can give us? Um, coming up? We have a project that we are calling uh, Project Tradewind. It is approved by Chaosium. We have several scenarios written for it already by some really talented authors. And we have a sketch of the cover and an in-progress color photo of the cover being done by uh, our man in Australia, uh, Ruben Dodd from Sorrow King Studios. So the cover is being put together. The project is improved. Several scenarios are already in-house, and that Kickstarter will be coming with luck in uh, mid-2019. Mid to mid to you know maybe summer maybe after con season but we'll we'll do the best we can. Okay, and and obviously and, a lot of stuff subject to changes. You know projects kind of right. flow. Right, right. But those are the next two that are on the block. Um, my 2020 idea is is starting to come together. I've already started writing an outline for that, and. Um, really looking forward to getting closer to that. Um, that's going to be as a writer, you always set goals 
And as a publisher, you always set goals. And, you know, when you achieve them, it's like, okay, now I need something bigger. Now I need something better. Um, someone once said, you, you know, you'll write a campaign once because you'll be so disgusted by it, you'll never write it again. <laughs> um, and I wrote my campaign, and it is a lot of work. But I think I'm ready to not write a complete campaign, but shepherd one to have the outline to keep a group of really great authors all on the same page following the narrative. Um, so that project is starting to come together, but that's not going to be till 2020. But I will say that we are planning a massive uh, six to 12 scenario campaign, 1920s, 7th edition, set in the United States of America. Nice. Very cool. And I've, and I've already got some really big names interested on the, when this, on, on the please invite me when this starts to form up page. Right, right. Very cool. Ah, big, big things to look forward to. Yeah, but I've learned to keep my mouth shut and not bite <laughs> off more than I can chew after the last two years. So that is 2020 if I'm lucky. Um, I've got two projects that are all that are people uh, I've already had people writing for. So we're going to do those. We're not going to start anything else until we get some of this, some of these planes landed. Sure. 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 That makes sense. And uh, amongst all that other stuff, you've had uh, a little bit more of a, of a personal project over the last couple of months, few weeks. You want to talk yeah, about that a little yeah. bit? Um, well, boys and girls, if you ever sit down for and, and write a project for 22 months, uh, I'm going to tell you, try not to drink so much coffee. Try not to drink, eat too many, as many donuts as I did. Um, when I got done writing Cthulhu Invictus, I had put on weight, lost, and really, my uh, you know, the book kills you. Uh, I was joking with someone, writing a book is like uh, going through chemotherapy. Um, you're getting something done, and it's really positive, but it's slowly killing you as you do it. Um, so I came away writing from finishing writing the biggest project of my life and some of the worst health I'd ever been in. So personal projects started five weeks ago, which was mild dieting and going to the gym three times a week to try and get in some kind of recover, some kind of strength and, and fitness. And it's been going really well. Um, I'm fitting into shirts that didn't fit me last summer. Um, I fit into a pair of shorts that did not fit me last summer. So I spared myself some clothes shopping. Um, I'm, I'm avoiding scales at all cost. You know, <laughs> clothing fit is my scale at this point. I don't want to know numbers that it's, I can't take it. You know, that's, that's a sand check with penalty dice. I'm not going <laughs> on a scale. I'm not going on a scale. I need to keep going to the gym. You know, I figure it took me 22 months to write this book, 22 weeks of going to the gym three times. Then I'll get on a scale. You know? Yeah. It, it, I mean, but it's I, tough. I mean, not only the writing in and of itself and the toll it takes on, because again, this is something that you're not doing. I mean, you're putting in full, full-time time plus, you know, full-time job, but, but the hobby itself tends to be uh, not as healthy as it could be. Like, you know, the joke is, Oh, we get Cheetos and Mountain Dew and you know, all the, all the junky stuff to come and sit at the table. So I think that it's kind of like, you know, that's right. where we're coming from as a, as a, as a group on, on the right. whole, I guess, maybe. Right. Right. I mean, we are, pe you know, we are, a, let's order a pizza and a couple of sodas and get some free, um, Fritos. 
um, you know, and, and, you know, play a game. And then you get older and you're like, oh, we're not going to eat all that unhealthy stuff. We're going to play Cthulhu Invictus. So we're going to have wine and cheese and bread and grapes. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's just different calories. You're, you're eating a better class of food. You're still, <laughs> your fat ass is still stuffing your face while you're playing games. You know how much calories is in seven glasses of wine when you play Cthulhu Invictus? And the sugar. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you trick yourself into thinking, oh, this is healthier. It's grapes and wine and bread and oil and cheese and nuts and hummus. And you fat fuck. You're just eating. <laughs> it's just another way of binging while you're gaming. Uh, yeah. Max so, yeah. is in the chat. He said tabletop needs more carrot sticks. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it, you know, it can be an unhealthy hobby, uh, you know, and it's funny. I, I'm doing a panel next in a, you know, next weekend called, it's one of my most popular, it's called maintaining motivation in writing. And, you know, I'm, if there's one thing I'm known for, it's being prolific. I keep writing, um, you know, I'm not saying it's any good. I'm just saying there's a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things is when you're in the middle of a project, don't neglect your health, you know, go to the gym, eat healthy, get some sleep. And I'm like, I so did not obey my own rule. I, you know, I so did not, I, you know, I plan to, but when you're, you know, when you're in month 17 and you're just trying to get through it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I've been going back to the gym and honestly, for the drop in stress level, like once I started after the second week, I could really feel the creative energy of my writing increase again. And you don't realize how, uh, how much a physical toll of, of unhealthy habits takes on you mentally. Like once you start kind of getting more active, it frees up so much of yourself to get back in touch with that creative side. Yeah, for sure. Well, you get hit with all those endorphins and stuff. Like I, I go to the gym. I hate it. I hate every minute of it, but I couldn't go the other day because I tweaked my back at work a little bit. So I'm like, ah, I'm not going to go tonight. I'll, I'll take it easy. I'll take some Advil. I'll go the next day. And like all that afternoon, I'm like, this sucks. I can't believe I can't go to the gym. <laughs> there were much as I don't want to be there. I was like, I just want to be there now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at that point too. It's like, after three weeks, three times a week, it's like, screw this. I, I got it. I, I'm, on, I'm in the zone three times a week. You know, I'm going to keep doing this. And Saturday, I've got, you know, this Saturday I was writing. And I've got this scenario that I have to finish. So I'm up early and I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm peeking at the clock and I'm writing. I'm like, gym opens at 8 and it's like 6.30, 7 o'clock. It's like I have to stop writing and rush to the gym so I can be there when they open so I can get my workout in so I can get back home and then be a dad and a husband on a Saturday when we've got food shopping and errands. And, you know, so it's like, you know, four 30 to seven, you know, four 30 to seven 15. I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. Then I'm at the gym. Then I'm doing everything in real life. And it's like, Oh, you're killing me. And it's, but if, if you want to do it all, you're going to give up something and, and, and sleep is what I'm giving up. Yeah. But it's like, I don't want, I could have kept writing. I could have stayed in bed, but like you said, once you get into the jag of this is when I'm going, um, 
it, it does become part uh, of, of what you look forward to. And I know a lot of the listeners are going to say bullshit, but <laughs> and, and tr- it sucks. It, it does absolutely sucks. I would much rather be, you know, playing Destiny with, you know, some Doritos and a cream soda on my couch um, if I'm not writing. But, you know, it's I, I you know, you, you have to do this. I mean, your health is you know, you only get one shot, you know, at your health. And, um, you know, you do have to take responsibility. And I haven't taken responsibility for my lifestyle while I was writing this book. And now that it's done, it's like, oh, boy, damage control, all all hands, damage control. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it's hard. You need to get caught up, you know, in that zone where you're like, I got to finish, I got to finish, I got to finish. And, you know, I mean, it's like what they say video games, like, you know, stand up every half an hour, walk around, you know, get a drink of water, sit back down. So like you, like when I'm editing and stuff, like, it's the same thing. Like I'll spend a whole day in the chair in front of the computer and I'm like, shit, I got to get up. I got to go outside. I got to walk around, Uh, you know, like tomorrow, like I go to the gym after work and I went today, I worked through lunch just so I could go to the gym before (laughs) before the interview. Um, Oh my God. I, I, tonight's my gym night. I went to the gym Fourth uh, of July, eight a.m. <laughs> then came home, made like burgers and coleslaw, and then I was cooking all day. Yeah, um, I was like today at work. It was like Walking Dead. I'm like, oh god, kill me, because um, I was so. But it's like Thursday's my gym night, and I'm doing the interview. I've got you know if I'm gonna get my third workout in, I've got to go today. And yeah. so I went. I went uh, yesterday morning. Um, boy, am I, you know, I'm. And people are asking, so how do you feel? You've been going to the gym three times a week for five weeks. How do you feel? I'm like, I feel sore and tired. It's like, I, I don't have, I don't let myself recover enough to feel good. I'm tired and sore every day. I, yeah. you know, I let myself have two days off, you know, because I go day on, day off, day on, day off. Right. And luckily, there are seven days in a week. So by necessity, there are two days in a row you don't have to go. <laughs> Um, so those two days I pick are in the middle of the week when I'm going to work anyway. So, um, cause you know, it sucks going after work if, if, yeah. if you, and you have to, um, so yeah, it's like, how do you feel? I, I feel tired and sore, but I'm a lot less stressed and at least my clothes are fitting better. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'll, I'll beat myself up about it. She's like, Oh, either a, hey, I'm not going to go or like, maybe I don't get any, you know, podcast stuff done. Like I'm just going to watch. TV all night and sit on the couch and you know whatever, but like you, you do, you have to incorporate that downtime. Like you said, your your uh, <laughs> Jeff just said meow biatches. <laughs> <laughs> this is all your fault, Jeff. <laughs> this was this was just a joke, and you had to write the scenario, and now <laughs> now we're in it. <laughs> Jack Jack also threw in remind me never to write. <laughs> oh boy. Uh. It's That's funny, funny. It, it, when when in my seminar, it's like, you know, uh, you know, maintaining motivation in writing. It's like well, this sucks. You know, if you if you don't love it, don't do it because this sucks. You know, you're not gonna make a lot of money. It's unhealthy. It's it's brutal. You're gonna give up a lot of free time. Um. So yeah, remind you never to write. Don't write. You know? <laughs> um. I, I'm lucky. I love what I do. And if I didn't love it, I certain sure as shit wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, we're we're all in, you know, we're all in, you know. So you you know you gotta you make choices, right? So maybe you stay up a little bit later, or you do this or that because you're so into what's happening. And I, and I think all of us that are gaming are like that to a greater or lesser extent. Yeah, my my wife is planning to go to the beach on Sunday. Guess what? I'm planning to do on Sunday. <laughs> Finish my Cthulhu scenario. Yeah. You know how much that's gonna suck. That they're going to be pulling away to go to the beach, and I'm going to be at this in this chair, yeah. writing this scenario. But I, I'm I'm blessed that I have the ability to write scenarios, and people that are already signed up to play this game that I need to finish writing. <laughs> so, but no, you do you do make sacrifices, you know, whether it's podcasting or painting or sketching or writing or you know doing voiceover work or or, or layout. I mean, this is all labor of love. I mean, we're giving up parts of our lives to do this part of our life. Absolutely. Well said. Max, Max said, I'm signed up. <laughs> <laughs> For what part of it? Are you, coming, are, you, are you coming to the gym with us? <laughs> For the whole thing. <laughs> you rock. <laughs> cool. I think that's a good way to end. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for having me on. Please, please back the Kickstarter. Uh, I'd really like to get this funded before I have to go to the con. Um, I'll be pimping it hard at the con. Come find me at Kineticon. I'm running four panels, maintaining motivation in writing. Um, I'm running uh, Welcome to the Shadow War, an introduction to Cthulhu Invictus. Um, We're going to have a lot of sneak previews and some giveaways at that panel. I'm running So You Want to Be an RPG Writer and a step-by-step, uh, step-by-step guide to breaking into the industry. And, um, you know, trust me, you don't want to. But if you do want to, I'll tell you how. <laughs> um, and the, the panel I'm most excited about, Great Moments in Cosmic Horror Cinema, where I've got some movie clips and uh, it's my first AV Saturday at 8 um so i'll be seeing some cosmic horror movie clips and everybody's gonna tell me i picked the wrong five and i'm gonna say f you it's my panel these are the five i picked (laughs) uh, tell the tell the con goers tell the convention organizers you really liked like this and they'll have me back next year and i'll do five different clips um so i'm excited about that you know uh big horror movie fan and whenever you see a cosmic horror movie it's like wow that's like reese's peanut butter cups they actually you know, they actually did it. So we're going to have like a, a little bit of discussion, some Q&A and some uh, cosmic horror movie clips. Cool. And That's it's awesome. and it's no cosmic horror movies that are based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft. So no Dagon, no Reanimator. These are all other movies that, you know, so it'll be some surprises. Like Arrival, things like that. Thing, things that have that sort of... My picks. Yeah. <laughs> you make your own picks. <laughs> Okay, and Max said that he backed the Kickstarter, so awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You are in. Yep. I'm sure Jeff will give you a meow shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. There's links in the show notes, obviously. There's links for, for Twitter and Facebook page and, and the Golden Goblin press site. There's a link for the coffee as well. So if you're a coffee drinker, if you want to get into writing and you're going to go down that path and not sleep and not eat healthy and do other. If you're going to drink coffee, drink legends coffee. There's a link in the show notes. It's really good. I, I suggest you only drink that, but you know, I mean, I'm, I want to sell you coffee. So 
Well, Night Owl Blend is is definitely the way to go. Personally, I would say it's my favorite one of theirs. Ah, oh, that hurts me right here. It hurts me right here. <laughs> I haven't had yours. No, I haven't. I haven't tried it yet. All right, I'll have to send you some then. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I thank everybody for uh, for checking it out. We're, uh, we had a bunch of people in the chat today, which was cool. We had Jeff Muller in the chat, which was a surprise. <laughs> so that's Not cool. really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is so passionate about this project. He has wanted this off the ground for so long. I feel so guilty it took us this long to finally get this project moving. Yeah, I mean, 13. So we're looking at, you know, five years now. So. Yeah. Wow. So it's a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. It's a shame. It's a great scenario. It should have. Uh oh. Hold on. One second. We may have gotten to 75% funded. Ooh. No, 74. Good. I don't have to do an update yet. <laughs> <laughs> I promised the backer update when we did 75% funded and we're just kind of hanging by a thread. Um, and I'll be uh, announcing the first two uh, stretch goals. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for having me. This has yep. been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on again. We'll have to schedule some, uh, some, another Cthulhu game, another uh, Invictus game. Well, I, I've, I've finished a couple more. Awesome. I, 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 I've got material if you're up for playing. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, post, post chat. We'll have to, to get Chad and, and Bill in and, and get something scheduled. Okay. Cool. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Oscar. Thanks everybody Thank for checking it out. We're uh, we're glad that you're uh, you're tuning in and that uh, that you enjoy it. So it makes it worthwhile for us. Uh, you know, have people uh, in there and uh, you know chatting away and and adding to the conversation. So thank you guys, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See ya. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.